Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored, all-volunteer-powered rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to speak with Dr. Julie Sousey of the Tucson Museum of Art about their recently opened exhibit featuring Arizona artists. And we'll get a glimpse into this Arizona biennial, the history and process. Today is April 9th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. And we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona, and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. You can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. And for more information about our show, uh, maybe information on our book or past episodes, or simply just to contact us, head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on any, well, I'd say most platforms like Spotify, iTunes, and uh, even just asking your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. Well, April means films here in Tucson. We're about to enter into the 31st Arizona International Film Festival. This is a fabulous, oh, I don't know, two weeks or so of great films here in the Tucson area, most of which are going to be at the screening room in downtown. If you'd like to know more about the history of the uh, Arizona F- Film Festival, then you can head over to our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, and just plug in Arizona International Film Festival in the search bar, and you'll hear a couple of our past episodes where we really dig into the history. We've even had the the, the privilege of, of interviewing some of the uh, artists that are involved in making and creating this, uh, this event. It all kicks off here in a couple of weeks... Uh, I don't even know if it's a couple weeks. Yeah, it's uh, April 19th is uh, a Wednesday, and then really the the schedule really ramps up on Thursday the 20th, and it's going to go through the end of April. If you'd like to know what films are playing, how to get tickets, how to get involved, you can head over to filmfestivalarizona.com, and they will get all those uh, details for you. And I can tell you from doing these interviews in the past, the the idea not just of how wonderful some of these films are, but they also have shorts. They've got a variety of topics and genres so you can find something that you like and maybe stretch your, uh, your imagination there a little bit and find something that you weren't sure you would like. But then uh, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, this is awesome. And speaking of awesome, we've got the Tucson Museum of Art right here in downtown Tucson. And we have the pleasure of uh, speaking with uh, Dr. Julie Saucy, uh, the... Um, uh, the head curator of the museum about some of their exhibits and mainly something called the Arizona Biennial, which sounds like it's every two years, but it's, it can be a little flexible on that. But it's an exhibit featuring all Arizona artists, very competitive uh, to get into and very interesting. And here's the interview we recorded earlier this week with uh, Dr. Saucy. 
Actually, um, I have been working with Arizona artists for decades. Quite frankly, I came uh, to Arizona in around 1974 to go to school at Arizona State University as an art student. And uh, so I got to know many of the artists that were emerging in the early 70s at that time. And then I stayed on to teach for a little bit at ASU, uh, left for a short time to teach art in Washington State and returned at the at the very end of the 70s and uh, kind of had several uh, lives within the arts. I worked at the the famed Elaine Horwich Galleries, which uh, uh, eventually I got to write the book about Elaine Horwich, but for 14 years I worked with Suzanne Brown Gallery and all of those dealers were uh, focusing on Arizona or Southwest artists. Uh, so pretty much my whole you know professional career has been looking at artists from this region and in particular this state. And then I came down to Tucson in 1995 uh, to be uh, the gallery's curator for the Joseph Gross and Lionel Rombach galleries. And at the time, this Memorial Student Union that had three exhibition spaces uh, within it. And so I was doing uh, probably um, about five exhibitions a month uh, for about five years. So, uh, good thing I had a lot of energy. I was going to say, I mean, just doing one exhibition a month, that's tremendous. But not, not only are you putting it together, but you've got to be researching what's coming next. Exactly. And, uh, for me, um, I think my experience working in galleries where you do quick turn, turnarounds, like two shows a month, uh, the gallery I worked in, they had up to four galleries at a time. So I was a multitasker, extra, <laughs> multitasker extraordinaire. And, uh, uh so it, I think that's one reason why they hired me. I, I remember in the uh, interview at the university, uh, I said, I don't have a cat. I don't have a dog. I don't have a boyfriend, a husband, a wife or uh, pets, you know, whatever. And I said, I live for art. And they went, okay, she's hired. <laughs> she's hired. And then, and then you didn't sleep for the next, what, how many years? <clears throat> it was a long time. But then uh, I came to uh, the Tucson Museum of Art. Actually, it was um, Bob Yassen was the director at the time and Joanne Stewart was the, the curator here. And uh, they both approached me and said, would you like to be our first contemporary curator? And uh, so I came in 2000. And quite frankly, I thought, oh, I'll stay three years because we all do that, make it a short-term sort of trajectory. And I ended up staying 23. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I liked it. (laughs) Well, fantastic. And and that kind of leads me into just some basic questions about curation. So you you came on as a a contemporary curator. So in a museum like the Tucson Museum of Art, how many different... And now you're the chief curator, but under you, I would assume that you've got different genres and like how many, how many curators work for a museum like this? Well, we're a small museum, so we have three curators. Uh, I'm modern and contemporary. Christine Brinza is art of the American West and indigenous art. And Christopher Driggers is uh, Latin Amer- art of Latin America. And he encompasses all the eras from uh, the ancient Americas to the colonial Americas uh, to uh, contemporary and modern and contemporary. Um, so uh, it's still, I mean, with 10,000 pieces in the collection, uh, it's a, an awful lot of uh, objects and uh, areas to, to encompass. And Christine also um, uh, creates displays with our small but mighty Asian art collection. 
So uh, we we keep busy. Yeah, and then so then the the job of the curator is it is it the acquisition of of items or is it the display of items? Is it both? It's it's, it's one facet of it. One of the areas is of course to build the collection or to make recommendations for conservation or deaccessioning if that which is a rare case but that can happen um, they do the reports that present the works to a collections committee they raise funds for certain acquisitions or grants um, it's it's uh, very much based on building that collection when it's a collecting institution but uh, curators are out in the, in the public interacting with artists and you know, checking on the latest trends and being aware of the art in their area um, all over the country, all over the world. So there's a lot of benchmarking and research that goes into whichever field it is, the latest um, issues to, to watch for, the the latest uh, research that's been done. But ultimately, it's uh, to then utilize that collection that's been built and, and uh, fine-tuned uh, and find ways to find interesting and educational um, context to put it in, ways to make it informative about maybe the era in which it was uh, created, but also perhaps how it is um, uh, referred to in works uh, in current times. So something from ancient Americas, maybe it's pairing it with a contemporary work. So it's you, you really have to have a broad sense of history, art history, um, what's happening now, what happened before. Uh, it it is a daunting task, but if you love your field, it's all research and connections you want you want to do. Yeah, and then you have to have the skill set to communicate that and articulate it in a way that people can understand that aren't in that field all the time. Exactly. I mean, you can complain, oh, I had to work all weekend, but if what you do all weekend is what other people pay money to be able to be a part of, then how hard can that work be? You know, it's, it's like out laundry, go to an art opening. <laughs> I think I'll go to the art opening. Uh, I've got to go work again at that darn museum and see all these fantastic <laughs> exactly. artists. Shoot. Exactly. How, how does it, how does like, how does a definition wise, like a museum, the Tucson museum of art, how does that differ from a gallery? Uh, well, a gallery, although if you're in, Depending on the situation, like in Great Britain, uh, museums can be called galleries or the National Gallery. It's still a collecting institution, um, but there's the commercial gallery, and that is the works are for sale. Okay. Um, or uh, art center implies it's not a collecting institution. Okay. Um, now, MOCA Tucson, they don't actively collect. It's not a uh, encyclopedic or a robust uh, collecting institution, but they do own a few pieces. But uh, we call galleries within our in institution, if we say um, the such and such gallery, it just means the name of the space, the room. Okay. Kind of, kind of hearing those terms and wasn't quite sure how to use those. We'll be back to that interview with uh, Dr. Julie Saucy of the Tucson Museum of Art. Well, I learned more fabulous art terms in just a moment. But first of all, I do want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. We are on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on uh, our app, Downtown Radio Tucson. And uh, you can also get us on TuneIn. We don't talk a lot about that, but TuneIn's another place you can listen to us uh, on the Downtown Radio this podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes. 
current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. So we're back. We're going to finish up the second half of the interview we recorded with uh, Dr. Saucy of the Tucson Museum of Art. She's the chief curator and you know, telling us a little bit about the museum in general, how things work, her history, which I always find it fascinating when people are in town for a short period of time and then they, we just keep them uh, grappled here. They, they can't get away. Uh, so it's nice to, to know that we've got all of this experience uh, through our Museum of Art. One of the reasons for the call that um, uh, we wanted to really talk about the Arizona Biennial. It's the uh, very, very anticipated showcase that happens typically every couple of years. Been going on for decades and highlighting our Arizona artists. So we'll get back into that interview with Dr. Saucy and get a little bit more on the Arizona Biennial. But as we're talking about right. uh, exhibits and exhibitions, you've got, I think, the impetus for this call. Uh, your your biennial um, uh, Arizona-focused exhibit just launched here on April 1st. And this yes, is something... Yes, and biennials, are, of course, imply that they're every other year, um, biannual. Um, they say biennial. Um, and uh, sometimes we've had them on odd years, sometimes even years. Of course, COVID changed some things. And uh, I think once we might have had a session hit us and uh, we had to do a cancellation. So um, we have had biennials officially as called Arizona Biennial since 1980. But this institution in one form or name or another has been around since 1924 and we're having our big centennial next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that time period, they had annual juried competitions, which is what this is, is a juried uh, competition um, or juried exhibition with a couple of awards. But you have to apply to be in and a juror does the selecting. Um, so uh, we've had them uh, officially with that title um, since 1980, but since 1948, we've had uh, official kinds of exhibitions like the Tucson Festival Show or the annual uh, craft exhibition. Um, So we've had a different number of iterations of this, but they all focus on, for the most, Arizona artists with someone else who selects the the work. And that's what I found interesting. So this is, uh, this exhibit is all people from Arizona. They're all artists that focus in some part within our state in different Mm -hmm. disciplines, not necessarily the same type of art. Right. And they right. have different categories, and they they submit their work, and then you have a a juror. Is it a is it a person or is it a group of people that make that decision? Well, that's that's what's interesting. Well, what's what's funny on top of that is, in 1976, I think it was, I actually was in whatever the first biennial or annual show. I was in it as an artist. Um, and I remember coming into the brand new building thinking, I think this is fabulous. This is a wonderful space. And then to come back and actually being the curator here, I, I just find it such a joy. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, being in my early 20s thinking that I would actually 
be working there, but right, just just happy to get your art selected, and yeah, and now you're the. I always thought that it was a group decision, Mm -hmm. and that in 1999, uh, Joanne Stewart was the curator. uh, I think at that time, or at least um, I think she's the one who initiated a single juror. So I thought it was always a group decision up till that time, but I just a couple days ago did some research and I found out that in 1980 the first jury uh, juror was Barbara Haskell who was a curator at the Whitney in New York. And I just thought that was fascinating because that long ago, the museum felt that confident to ask someone that important from New York to come out to jury the show. And what was even more fascinating is 970 artists applied, or, or maybe it was the number of works, but the point is huge number um, Considering the state, uh, I just find that just fascinating. And then this year, the the juror I saw also someone of, of prominence from uh, the Smithsonian um, National the National Gallery, correct? Right. In, in a way, I've kind of done my best to. Uh, what I found is, I even did a survey once, and I said, "Would you like me to make the selections, or would you like me to pick someone from outside?" They all said outside. Not that they didn't trust me, but uh, everybody is so anxious to have their work looked at by, you know, a big name curator, so that they might be considered for something beyond uh, Arizona. And I thought, you know, that's the the biggest um, a gift I can give them is to find people that might. Uh, remember their name or include them in something. And, and so I, I do it with a great deal of pleasure. This is, I think my eighth biennial at, at least because uh, I've been here since 2000. So give or take. Um, and so if I pick a female juror, sometimes the next time I'll pick a male or if they're from California, the next time they might be from uh, Texas. So uh, I find that kind of uh, another way of, you know, making sure that I've done right by the idea of the outside perspective. But this time I did pick Taina Carigal, and she is the curator uh, with a focus on Latinx and Latin American art. And uh, dealing with a lot of the current issues of today, she was um, actually the director of the, their big uh, triennial, the Outwin uh, Boucherer, I don't know if the pronunciation is right, but Boucherer uh, portrait competition. And she was actually the curator who led the portrait commission for former President Obama, and it was uh, Kehinde Wiley's portrait uh, of him. Uh, so I find that, uh, you know, of the quality that we seek to, ha- to have uh, eyes on our artists. <laughs> and it seems like from what little I read of her, um, that, that, you know, that there was this Im- this influence of of Latin America, the Latinx that she brought to the National Gallery, and so coming to mm-hmm. to Arizona, it seems like that's that's a really good fit for someone to uh, <clears throat> to look at some of the artists that are presenting from Arizona. Absolutely, and I thought for sure because her focus is on that, then all of our Latinx artists would have a chance to be noticed. Right. Um, sometimes they they go with the low hanging fruit, and so they go to New York and Chicago. So here's a chance to say, look what's happening here. And uh, she was impressed. Do, do you know how, how many um, submissions that she, she had to, to sort through? Um, yeah, I think I have those stats handy. I think it was um, about 500 and some, oh. or 480, uh, around 500 artists. And uh, yes, they all do it, it, no more than 1,500. So I think it was more like 1,000 works of art. Okay. And 
we do it in two days. And when people say, can you discuss why they, uh, why I wasn't selected? I said, you're not going to like hearing this, but it's not that they take, the juror takes two months to figure this out. It's a yes, no. It's a gut reaction. Yes, no, yes, no. Maybe can I see the statement? Can I see this work again? Uh, but they don't have a lot of time. So it's based on, you know, curators after a while, they have, we can, you know, pick up on something pretty darn fast. Wow. And, um, so, and the show is stunning. It's really great. So how, how, it, I never feel like we shortchange anyone. How many pieces then of, of that thousand or so that, that were, were reviewed, how many made it into the exhibit? I think it's 67 works, maybe. Oh my gosh. Something like that. And 56 artists got picked. Oh my goodness. So that is a huge, yeah. uh, uh, as a huge oh, yeah. accomplishment to make it into that selection. And, and my only, my only regret is, you know, we have to work with our space. And sometimes I, I, I tell an artist if they feel bad, they didn't get in. I would have taken you. We all would have taken you, but there's, there was just not enough room. You know, we can't um, make the place bigger or take down all the art from our collection. So I always tell people, you just can't take it personally. Just keep applying, keep working. I I always liken it to the TV show, The Voice. You know, they have to whittle it down in a certain number of weeks, and uh, they just can't take everybody. Everybody can't be a winner. And it's just for the competition. It doesn't mean you're not a winner in your own right for the work you do. Wow. And Dr. Sashi, then can you tell us a little bit, the exhibit launched on April 1st. How long is it going to be there? How do people get involved? How do they find more information? Sure. Um, well, by the website is the best place and um, it opens, as I said, April 1st and it goes through October 1st. Uh, so we've got a good long run with it and video, uh, paintings, weavings, ceramic work, uh, sculptures. It's It's really quite remarkable. And uh, I will say that what's remarkable especially is that the artists are really thinking deeply about their environment, about their uh, politics, about our culture today, about society. And uh, of course, the new element that people reflect on is the sense of loss from COVID and the fear of uh, you know life not being exactly as we planned it because of the sudden changes that happen. Um, so I think it's really something we should all be proud of to see what these artists have come up with. And we have a couple of events coming up on April 6th. We've got our free first Thursday and we've got a couple of artist spotlights, um, Jacqueline Arias and uh, Saskia Jorda. Uh, she just got selected as uh, one of the Arizona art or the Arizona artist for the National Museum of Women in the Arts Women to Watch exhibition. Um, and then on June 1st, we'll have another feature on a Thursday, which is a free first Thursday featuring Matt McGee and Alejandra Platt Torres. Uh, and then later in September, uh, Safwat Salim and Lydia C. And these are all people who are just quite accomplished already in their own right. So pretty exciting stuff. And all that available through your website. And then uh, there there are costs for admission unless you're a member of the museum. Uh, there is. Um, but I think that uh, the second Sunday is a free family day. So that's a good time to come. Uh, and uh, the free first Thursday. So you can just wait for those times and uh, lots of fun with those evenings as well with food trucks and uh, music sometimes. And we'll link to your website so people can get all that information as well. And, and Dr. Sase, thank you for your time. Um, I know you've got a lot going on. So spending a few minutes with us, is it's very appreciated. Well, thank you very much.
Dr. Sasi, the chief curator of the Tucson Museum of Art on what I understand is your 20th extension of your three-year stint with the... Uh, By July, uh, I'll be 23 years here. Yeah, so so after the first three years, it's just been a, a one-year extension for the last 20 years. Is that kind of how you're doing it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nothing beats this job. <laughs> That was Dr. Julie Saucy. She's the ter- chief curator for the Tucson Museum of Art, talking to us about uh, the museum itself, uh, her history in that role, some really cool exhibits, and really featuring the uh, the Arizona Biennial, launched April 1st. It'll be here for, uh, uh, for a while, here until October, for a chance for everyone to get down there and see all of these Arizona artists and uh, also learn more about just the other exhibits that are happening at the Museum of Art. We'll link to their page from our website uh, or from our Facebook page so that you can get those links to some of the the uh, community nights that they have available with low or no cost to get in. My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Well, that's an, another fantastic show we've had the pleasure of uh, putting together here. Uh, this is episode number 243, uh, going on five and a half years. Five and a half years you've been putting up with me out there. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff coming up here later in uh, the the month. I want to, first of all, thank uh, Dr. Saucy. You know, right at the time that they're launching a new exhibit, of course, I reach out and say, hey, let's, let's spend some time on the phone and talk about it. And she was very gracious to do so. And... Um, we're always blessed with, with people that are willing to share their time with us. Uh, coming up uh, next week, a fun show with Zoe Ray. She is a fire dancer. Uh, they've been performing for decades here in uh, the Tucson area, and they've got a Fourth Friday event coming up at Sky Bar. So we reached out to her to talk about that and about her uh, company that she co-owns called Cirque Roots. And I found out there's a quite a circus element here in Tucson and and it's a little literal circus not the uh, metaphors that sometimes we use to describe certain situations but it's an actual circus environment here in Tucson so we'll chat with her uh, and then coming up towards the end of the month we've got a, a, a U of A student a master a, a doctoral student that uh, came from Costa Rica specializing in the violin we get this really interesting story of of um, uh, of why Tucson was selected, the music scene here in Tucson, and a little bit about the academics around music and what that leads to. So that'll be a, a fun show coming up here in a couple of weeks. If there's something you would like us to cover, then, you know, tell us. Uh, you always assume when you're listening to a hyper-local show like this that you are in tune with what's happening in our town. So, you know, tell us your comments. 
the uh, the concerns, things that we should be sharing. And if you uh, if you have a like a Tucson focused social media account, then we would like to share what you're doing. So maybe uh, tag us uh, on Instagram or Facebook, or share something on our page that we can then share out and get more information about Tucson out in the world. And if there's topics you want us to cover, of course, uh, tag us in there as well, so that you can uh, um, you, you can connect with us. You know, for us, it's collaboration is the key. We want this show from the day one. We've said it's a community conversation, and that dialogue happens on a two-way street. It's just not us coming up with topics and broadcasting. It's people sharing what they would like to know more about or things that they know that we should be sharing with others. You can uh, reach us by email, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org, Facebook, Instagram, websites, all the stuff we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, Stay tuned for Atetsky's Words and Work. Uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, but we're going to leave you today with music by Rob Cantor. It's from a 2021 fun song called At the Art Museum. I hope you have a great week and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. At the Art Museum They've got paintings on the wall At the Art Museum You can come and view them all